patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. One of the things that I love to do is to get to introduce uh, guest speakers, but Alex isn't a guest anymore. He is actually on our staff right. now. This is yeah. Alex Erlenbush. He's going to be our digital engagement pastor, and he's going to be our downtown pastor as Journey launches a downtown expression of the kingdom of God that Alex right. is going to help lead that. Uh, but this is the first time that he's getting the opportunity to preach to our people, to shepherd them in the word, to shepherd us in the word. And so I wanted an opportunity to introduce him to you, but I also wanted an opportunity to pray over him. So if you're here in-house, if you'd feel comfortable extending a hand, we're going to pray over Alex and he's going to bring the word. God, thank you so much for Alex and Sarah and their little boy Aiden and all that you've done over a handful of years to call them to this place with a vision for building your kingdom in downtown Bozeman. God, I just pray for your empowerment. I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. Lord, I pray for an anointing over his life and over his family. Lord, and I pray that even now as he teaches from your word, Lord, would you be the one that speaks through him? Jesus, in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Awesome. Amen. Love you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with you all. How are you feeling this morning? I got more energy than you, and I have a newborn. So we got to do that again. You feeling good this morning? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, my wife and I, and our little baby boy, Aiden, just made it up to Bozeman from San Diego, uh, where it's 75 and sunny all the time. And so I had to kind of trick my wife and say, it's a dry cold. It's fine. It'll be good. And we got here, and it's like 50 degrees. But I know that June snow is coming, and so I know it's coming upon us, but we're so excited to be here, and uh, we get a little bit of sleep. My wife definitely doesn't get as much as I do, but do you know that uh, people with a kid, their first year, they lose 44 days of sleep? So be generous to those moms out there, y'all. Like, it is not easy, but we are so blessed um, that our little baby boy came healthy into the world and excited to be a part of the Journey family. This actually isn't my first weekend. I was here last weekend with y'all. I was the guy with the black wig shooting t-shirts across stage. And so if any, anybody here for Generosity Rockstar, some of you, the rest of you, it's worth seven minutes of your time just to go check it out. Uh, we like to have fun around here. And I was literally praying backstage. I said, God, can you, can you just like make this t-shirt gun not, not malfunction on my first Sunday? I didn't wanna like blast a, a t-shirt into some 
nice, sweet old lady, you know? And I'd like to say that, that the prayer came true, but after service, uh, I was told that I nailed a guy in, in the chest with a T-shirt. He was looking down at his phone, and I was like, oh my gosh, what, what'd he say? He's like, well, he's okay, because it was his birthday, and he thought the church just gave him a gift. And I was like, okay, we're in. So that was my first Sunday. This is my second Sunday. So excited to be with you. I'm from Bozeman, though. Uh, this is my hometown, and my wife and I uh, are so excited to be back alongside friends and family that I've known for a lifetime to plant a church here in downtown Bozeman. And in the coming months, uh, you'll get to hear more about that, but we're so excited to be with you. We're gonna pick up where we left off last week in James 5, one through six. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning there, James 5, one through six. Last week, Pastor Bob preached a powerful message about faith in our plans. I love this thought that he had. He said, God will take full responsibility for any life that is fully surrendered to him. God will take full responsibility for any life that is fully surrendered to him. And he was talking about how genuine faith, genuine faith surrenders your plans to God. Some of us still need to say, God, take, take my plans. I wanna live in the center of your will. James was trying to get us to see that a genuine faith surrenders plans. And today, James is gonna take us on another little journey. The, the book of James was designed to put faith into practice. In other words, it, it's to take your theology, your thoughts about God and put it into action. For the scholars in the room, it's orthodoxy versus orthopraxy. And here's an interesting thought. Like if, if you ever wanna know how good someone's theology is, just ask their spouse. Like if you wanna know how good my theology is, just be... Just ask my wife, because she can be able to tell you, does this guy actually love his neighbor? Where does he need Jesus the most? I stand before you, probably the last person that should preach the gospel, and I have friends in here that could tell you that I got a past, but I'm so thankful that Jesus turns past into testimonies, and I stand here so grateful for the opportunity to get to share the gospel with you. It is an unbelievable gift that we have each and every day to join God in his story and what he's doing in Bozeman and all over the world. And so today I, I wanna lead us into James 5, one through six, just with a little caution. James is a little heated. He's a little fired up. He's a little mad. And so buckle in. I can't believe they gave me this text on my first Sunday, but just, just buckle in. James is, James is Jesus' little brother, all right? James is Jesus' little brother and he would have seen Jesus walk through life. He would have seen how Jesus lived his life. He would have seen how Jesus would have healed the blind and touched lepers and make them clean. And he would have seen how Jesus would have taken greedy people and turned them into generous people. How he would have changed a heart in one setting. And so that's what I want to look at today. James 5, 1 through 6. If you're there, say amen. That's enough of you. We'll do it with, with you. Okay. He says this. Now listen. He's given us a warning right from the bat. Now listen, rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay your workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. Woo! We're gonna need some help from the Lord to unpack this. Father, I pray over the moments now we share that your spirit would illuminate what you want us to see. 
I pray you would divide this message up on the hundreds of hearts that are in this room and the thousands more that are watching online and speak the word that we need to hear today. Some of us are gonna move from a greedy life to a generous life. Some of us think we're living a generous life, but you're gonna call us to more. I really believe that the farther we go with you, the less we wanna take with us, God. I pray today you would carve off greed in our heart and replace it with generosity. And Spirit of God, help me preach this message like only you can, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So in the very first verse, James is giving this warning and he's giving it to a specific people. Anyone else read this verse and you're like, it says in the beginning, now, now listen, you rich people. I read this this week and I'm wondering, am I rich? Like, am I one of the people James is talking about? What does it mean to be rich? Like, does that mean $15 an hour? Does that mean like eating at, I don't know, uh, open range versus Taco Bell? Like, what's the difference? What's the, does it mean making 30K a year, 50K a year? What does it mean to be rich? Well, fun facts, y'all, fun facts. Did you know if you earn 34K or more a year, you're in the global elite, the top 1% of the world's earners, and 50% of the global elite live in America. The median salary, the median global salary is $1,225 a year. Some of you make that in a month. Some of you make that in a week. And all the college kids in here are like, dude, I would take that in a year because I've been eating Taco Bell and my stomach's rotting away. Most of us, though, in this room would be considered rich by the world's standards. Most of us would be considered rich. But is James talking about the amount of money or the motivation behind the money? Is he talking about the amount in your bank account or what you will do to get more, what you will do to accumulate? Or is he talking about what will you do with what you have? James is not condemning wealth. Instead, he's focused on the sinful use of wealth. And some of you breathe the sigh of a release. And, 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 and I would warn you just like the Spirit warned me this week. Maybe I'm not sinfully using my wealth, but maybe there's more to be done in my life. Maybe there's more to be done with my resources, my time, my talent, my treasure. If a God gave me everything in Jesus, who surrendered his crown and gave everything, am I doing the same in return? Does my life match his. And here's what I know about people, and you've probably seen this in your own life. Like, you can be rich and generous as well as poor and greedy. Often we associate rich people with greedy. But I'm just telling you, you can be rich and generous as well as poor and greedy. It's not about the amount of zeros in your bank account. It's, it's, it's what you think about your bank account. Is this, is this used to leverage God's love in people's life, or is it used for me? James is trying to warn the rich people of the day. He's trying to say, watch out, your, your riches are burying you. Your treasures are, are, are burying you. They were meant to be a blessing to others. And, and here's what I know. You know, money is a, it's a terrible goal, but it's an incredible tool. It is a terrible goal to make money the ultimate prize of your life. But money is an incredible tool. In the hands of a generous person, you've seen this. Maybe someone was generous towards you in your life and you caught wind of that generosity and now everything you have, you're like, how can I give this away instead of how can I spend this on myself? Money in the hands of a heart that surrendered to God, woohoo! God can use that. Money is a, a terrible goal, but it's an incredible tool. One blesses and the other buries us. James warning, is warning these people that have made money the goal of life to consider their ways lest we follow money over following God. 
because you cannot have two masters. Jesus talks about this. You, you can't serve both God and money. He says, you can't serve two masters in Matthew 6, 24. Either you will hate the one or love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. James is saying, if, if, if you wanna be a serious Jesus follower and have genuine faith, you cannot have a total devotion to God and a total devotion to money. However, he's not condemning wealth. He's condemning the sinful use of wealth. And these people in these verses, they were using their wealth for their own means. They were using their wealth for their own greed. Skip ahead to verse three. We're gonna come back to verse two and land on, land on it in a moment. He says, your gold and silver have corroded. It means that the gold and silver that these rich people possessed were stained with greed and oppression. They only got what they got through dishonest gain. Often in life, you're gonna have an opportunity to bless someone or bless yourself. These moments are set up as small tests along the way to see what you're going to do. He who is faithful with little will be given much. I really believe that what you do with $100 is what you're gonna do with a million dollars. You spend the hundred on yourself, I'm not sure you're gonna give the million away if you get it. God's principle, his kingdom principles, if you're faithful with little, you might just get more to bless others. But if you can't be faithful with the hundred, Man, how could more resources come through your hand if they're just gonna terminate on you? This is what was happening in James's day. This was the greed and the extortion of the people. He says in verse four, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. In, in James' day, the day laborers would work all day long the fields. And then at the end of the day, they were dependent upon the wages paid them by their bosses, the landowners, dependent to put food on the table. And in America, it's, it's tough to even think that like we work for today to then go to the store tonight to put food on the table, but that is what it was in James's day. And so to withhold wages, it literally put people in the grave. These moms and dads couldn't feed their, ki couldn't feed their kids. And James is saying, hey, listen, the wages you failed to pay the workers who worked on your behalf, they're crying out because they can't feed their own. He says in verse five, you fatten yourselves in the day of slaughter and you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. You've thought only about yourself. And the picture here is a fattened calf, how it gets fattened before it goes to slaughter. In many circles, we see this in life that rich people are, overfed and underconcerned, And you might be like, nah, that's not me. But I'm telling you, friends, there is always more to go in our journey with Jesus. Many of us are overfed and underconcerned. We have so much, and yet we're underconcerned with the people that are hurting around us. Bozeman's growing, if you can't tell. Bozeman's getting more diverse. Bozeman is in need of churches after churches that spring up and bring forth the good news of Jesus. Churches that are concerned with, concerned with God's kingdom advancing here on earth. And James is trying to get this warning across to everyone, but jump back to verse two. This is really where I wanna land today. You're gonna notice, you're gonna notice James's language here. He says, your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. James is referencing his big brother. He's referencing big brother Jesus, who he would have seen and hear preach the Sermon on the Mount time and time again 
to his disciples and followers and anyone who would listen. And some of you might recognize the, this language in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. And y'all know it, for where your treasure is, and there your heart goes. Where your treasure is, what is ultimate to you in life, what you hope you gain most in life, your heart goes also. And where your heart goes, there flows all of your life. Your treasure dictates your path. Your treasure dictates your devotion. And in this day, in James's day, he's warning people, hey, your treasure is misaligned because the things that you treasure, they're not gonna last, he says. It would, it would make a lot of sense for us this morning to consider James's words and Jesus's words. Are, are the things that I treasure, are those things that can be stolen from me, can be taken from me, are gonna rot away? That moth can eat away or a termite can take down my house. Like what, I don't know what it is for you, but are the things that you treasure, things that can be taken away or, or, or are they treasures that Jesus tries to get us to understand it? Are they treasures that you're storing up for yourself in heaven? What does it mean to store up for yourself a treasure in heaven? Well, I would just ask you the question, what will last in life? What will last? Here's what we know from the scriptures. People, God, and God's kingdom are forever. Relationships with people, the way you love people, the way you pray for people, the way you sacrifice for people, your devotion to God. Every time in your life you said yes to God where you couldn't see how he was gonna make a way, that's a treasure in heaven. And anytime you're bringing the kingdom of God, his hope and healing to the world, that is a treasure in heaven. These are things that cannot be taken from you. No one can take your acts of sacrifice from you. No one can steal the love that you gave to that widow or that single mom or that person in your neighborhood. No one can take that from you. And Jesus is trying to get us to see, man, what would it look like for you to treasure the things of heaven? It's the mom in here who's investing all of her time and talents into her kids. And she's wondering, man, is this gonna pay off? Because the kids are wild. Like, is this gonna pay off? And God says, yes, you're, you're investing the things that I've given to you into another soul, another human being. And as you continue to do so, do not grow weary. For just the right time, you will reap a harvest, Galatians talks about. And so for the mom in here today that feels a little bit overwhelmed, I just say to you, keep going. It is worth it to invest into your kids. I'm so grateful for parents that invested into me, never gave up, prayed for me, came and chased me down when I was going off the rails. That's a treasure that they will have in heaven because they've seen how God has touched my life and changed the trajectory of my life. That's something that can never be taken from them and from me. It's the business owner in here today who doesn't make investments just in earthly returns, but makes investments that have an eternal compounding return. Anytime you invest into leaders like Chris Townley, who moved his whole family to the desert. I actually went to school at Arizona State. It is hot there, y'all, it's so hot. And he moved his whole family to the desert because he knew God called him there. And as God called him there, they started a community there. 
because you invested into them. And I was talking to him backstage and I was like, so tell me some stories about what's happening there. Tell me the story of this one lady named Lauren. And Lauren was, never felt really welcomed at church. And um, one of the reasons why is just no one really connected with her, got her number and asked her her name. And finally she came to Kaleo Phoenix. In the first service, someone got her number and, and asked her name and they sat down, part of Kaleo's model is they have a meal with service and they sat down and had dinner and they got to hear her story. And Lauren is now inviting other people to, the, to Kaleo Phoenix. Lauren's now inviting other people to this community. That's because of you. Y'all sacrificed. You said, you know what? Treasure's in heaven. Chris Townley is someone worthy of investing in. Kaleo Phoenix is worthy of investing in. Now that lady Lauren is sitting in your guys' sacrifice. Tonight, she will go to church and she's sitting in the sacrifice that you guys made. I wonder what it would look like if a whole community and all the churches in the valley decided, you know what? Treasures in heaven over treasures on earth. Churches can start to gain treasures on and start to be focused on treasures on earth. I've seen this all too much where they get so focused on the name on the outside of the building instead of the name on the inside of the building. What would it look like if an entire valley of churches said, Jesus, you're enough. Doesn't matter if it comes to whatever church, we wanna see revival happen in this valley. We're willing to sacrifice so that someone else can sit in here one day and hear the gospel. This is what it looks like to have treasures in heaven. They're things that cannot be taken from you. And I wanna bring an analogy and an illustration into this text today that I think will help us understand even more what does it look like to store up for yourself treasures in heaven? If this represents all of eternity, and I asked for like the longest rope they had, Pastor Sam got me a 50-footer. Imagine this thing is like even longer. You can't overemphasize eternity. Eternity past, eternity present, and eternity in the future. This is long, y'all. This is our life with Jesus. This is long and it's what Jesus is trying to get us to look at. Hey, how you live your life down here, how you live your 70, 80, 90 years down here, depending on how much organic kale you eat, maybe you get 100 years. How you live here affects all of that. What you treasure here affects all of that. Most of us have started off in life, in fact, we all do, where the goal of life and the architecture of our culture says, work hard, go to college, get the degree, which is a worthy cause, all you college students, and then make some money and then get married and get the house and get the car. And then at the very end, you're like, maybe I have time to go to Hawaii but maybe not, I don't know. And then, we, and then we get to the end of our life and we're like, man, I, I treasure just the things of earth and I missed out on eternity. Only a fool, friends, would trade this for that. Most of us have a place in our heart that we need to think about today that says, man, I've been treasuring and focusing too much on here and it's caused a lack of devotion for there. I've been so focused on gaining, accumulating, and acquiring instead of how can I pour into moments where people can see Jesus? How can I pour into moments where the kingdom breaks through here on earth? That's why Jesus asked us to pray. God, your kingdom come on earth in Bozeman as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is 
any place where hope and healing is breaking through in Jesus' name. And y'all can bring that every single day in the spaces and places that you go. This has played out in my own life in a real practical way that's, a, that's affected me greatly because I've been this person. I've been the person that's like, man, I just need to, I need to get it. I need to, I, I need to get as much as possible. And maybe at the end, I'll give a little away. Instead of seeing what's already in my hand, how can I live a life of generosity now? And some of the people that have impacted me the most are really close to me. One, one gentleman, his name is uh, David Palacios. He lives in San Diego, California. He was a janitor at our old church. And he was one of the people that most looked like Jesus in my life. And David was so focused on heaven. He's like, how can we populate heaven? How can we get people to see God, the generosity of God, the love of God? And, and one day he came up to me and he said, I got this plan. I, he said, I'm gonna give my car away. There's a, a needy family in this church and they're so faithful. And it was a basketball coach and his two kids and they came with this raggedy, like Honda, every, every week to basketball practice. He's like, I'm gonna give my car away. He said, he was so excited. He said, I got the title ready. I got it full of gas. I paid for the insurance. And I was like, dude, that's a bit, are you sure? I'm trying to like shepherd him. I'm shepherding him the wrong way. I'm like, are you sure? Like, what are you gonna drive? That's what I asked him. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I asked him, hey, what, so you got like another car, right? He said, nope, I got a bike though. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me. Here's someone who's so focused on heaven. So focused on what would it look like if, man, the things that I have, I leveraged everything for people to see the love and goodness of Jesus. That basketball coach would go on to get a coaching job at a, a big college and his kids would go on to get to see their dad coach and they would get scholarships at the college. I wonder what those kids thought that day when David dropped off the car for their dad. I wonder if they saw the generosity of God towards them that day. I wonder if it changed a little bit inside of them what it looks like to live a generous life. Another lady is my grandma. And she was a new grandma to the family because I married this incredible girl named Sarah and she had this amazing grandma. I have now three wonderful grandmas, but this grandma named affectionately by the family Mama. And Mama was a prayer warrior. She had money and, and, and they gave a lot away, but they gave the most away in their prayers because she had time. And she said, Lord, I wanna use my time and leverage it for the things of God. And on the same week our son was born, mama passed away. She prayed though. She prayed that we'd have a safe delivery. She prayed that little baby Aiden would grow up to love the Lord. Her prayers are now lasting inside my son long after she's gone. Long after she's gone. David and mama, they both said, you know what? Heaven's most important. Everything I do down here, I want it to count for heaven. And every act they took had a ripple effect into heaven. Every act you and I take that says, God, you're enough. You're all I need. I have more than enough. I wanna focus my life on the treasures of heaven. I wanna give generously down here. I wanna pray for people. I wanna sacrifice so that people might know you. Whatever I have, all I have, I give to you. And every act you make to invite people and showcase the love of Jesus has a ripple effect into eternity. This is what Jesus is saying, store up for yourself treasures in heaven because it matters what's ultimate to you. Whatever is ultimate to you is where your life is going to trend towards. And wouldn't it be great if there was like a story in the Bible 
of Jesus meeting someone who was greedy and then turned to generous? Wouldn't it be great if there was a story that kind of encapsulated all of this? I'm glad you asked. It's Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. You don't need to read it now or pull it out. Read it this week, though. I'm going to give you the synopsis, the Cliff Notes version. It's about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector in the day, and he was actually a chief tax collector, which meant he literally skimmed the profits off of other tax collectors who were collecting a tax on their own people to give to the Roman government. But they would collect a little bit more because why? They were given a moment to take a shortcut and they took it. And their wealth was burying them. Zacchaeus was no doubt greedy and lived for the things of earth. He treasured money. And unfortunately, he got it. One of the worst things that can happen to us is to get the things that lead us far from God. And I would just invite you, if your first prayer every morning is, God, I need you more than anything, you're on a great track. But if it's God, I need money or I need this before him, why would a good loving father give you something that would lead you away from him? When God's the ultimate treasure of your life, when Jesus is all you want and desire, you'll you'll realize he's all you need. And as he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all other things will be added unto you. You might find that as you seek God first, as you seek the kingdom of God, as you seek to love people and God himself and devote your life to him, you might actually find that there's things that are added unto you, things of this world, just to be used for the purposes though of heaven. It's beautiful how he laid it all out. But Zacchaeus was not seeking God first. Zacchaeus was seeking money first. And Jesus walks through town, Jericho at the time. And we don't know how many people there there were that day, maybe a hundred, maybe a couple thousand. But we we know that Jesus had his eyes on one person, Zacchaeus, the greediest in the group. That's what I love about Jesus. He came for people like me. The kid that went farthest away from God's plan. The kid that thought he knew everything. The kid that had little generosity in him and he came for me and he comes for you. I don't know what you've heard about church, but you don't have to have it all together when you come in here and you don't have to believe everything to belong here. The disciples walked with Jesus for a long time and we still don't even know when some of them got it. And so I invite you today to, this invitation of the gospel that God loves you right as you are, but he loves you enough not to keep you as you are. And he looked at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I must stay at your house today. And in that one short dinner meeting, we don't know what was said, but we know this, that Zacchaeus left that meeting with Jesus, so touched and moved that savior of the world would come for him, that he restored all the money he took from his people. And not only restored to to just the normal currency, but he gave fourfold back. He gave 400% above and beyond what he took. Because when you meet Jesus, it will naturally drive generosity into your life. I'm gonna call the band back up and I wanna end here because I really think Jesus is the ultimate example of generosity. Some of you will know this text and it's one of the greatest looks into the gospel story we've ever seen. Second Corinthians eight through nine says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor 
so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What, diff- what makes Christianity and following Jesus different than any faith-based system in the world or any ideology or, or systemology or ism? What makes following Jesus different is that our king surrendered his crown and came to us. We couldn't work our way to him. So he gloriously worked his way to each and every one of us. And the invitation stands today to follow him with all your life. And like Zacchaeus, one invitation, one meeting, one dinner talk in his whole life was set on a new trajectory. Instead of treasuring the things of earth, he started to say, no, my Jesus is enough. I I wanna treasure heaven. He started to care about people. The main focus of his life became people and God and the kingdom of God advancing in life. So I wanna take a moment to pray. If you'd bow your hearts with me. Father, thank you for the moments that we share around your word. You're so good to us. And I pray right now as you're speaking to people and you're carving greed off of our hearts, replacing it with generosity. I pray we just have a moment with you. Maybe in this next song where we just say, God, I've, I've, been, I've been greedy in this area of my life and I, I, I see how much Jesus gave. He gave everything. How could I not consider what I have and how I could use it to invite people to see your goodness and love? If that's you and you wanna surrender that, I really believe that God will take greed off of your heart and replace it with generosity. The invitation before us all is that God loves you just as you are and he loves you enough not to keep you there. And so God, we do pray right now that you would meet us. That we'd have a Zacchaeus type moment where one encounter with the risen savior would touch our life and send it in a new trajectory for all of life, that we would treasure the things of heaven over the things of earth, that our lives would look more and more like your son. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.